Well, before we get started, my name is Nipa Acharya, and I am a researcher based in Brussels. Um, and this, my work, my thesis that I'm working on right now is the brain gain return of India's high-skilled entrepreneurs, home transformation and power politics in the cosmopolitan global south. And what I'll be presenting today is one small part of this overall thesis in which I'm looking at um, entrepreneurs as social actors. And before we get started, I want to give a special thank you to Oxford University. It's my first time here. And to the Themis team, I think we can all say it's been a wonderful conference. Um, and especially, she'll maybe hear on the podcast, but thank you to Kate Pruden, because I think all of us can also attest to the fact that she's done a lot of work with her team to put this together. I also wanted to um, extend a welcome and thank you to Stephen Castles, who is here. Um, I think most of us will also agree that he's maybe a pioneer that also moved us into, migrated towards this discipline. And yesterday someone had commented, oh, um, I, it's like I'm speaking with all my references, my <laughs> reference list at this conference. So it's been a real honor and it's a pleasure to have you as a chair of this, this presentation. Um, so let's get started. It was the right moment, and so here we are, Ashok proclaimed in a matter-of-fact tone. Though years and years went by in the US, deep inside, we always knew we wanted to come back, and the opportunity presented itself. The timing felt right. We could feel it, and so we moved to Bangalore. When asked whether their move to Bangalore was permanent, Ashok replied, well, you know, whenever anyone decides to move, there's a moment where we tell ourselves that we're going to give it a try see how the family adjusts, how we like it, and are going to give it a year to decide. But unless you cut complete ties, you can never enjoy living here or living there because you're constantly comparing one lifestyle in India to that of the West. We tried renting our place in the Bay Area for six months, but then I went back and sold it. There was no point in keeping it. Once we decided to move, we agreed that we were creating a life in India. We moved into this gated community, we rented a different house, and eventually bought the one we're living in. Our friends are here, old and new, so this is where our lives are now. This place is our home. Ashok and Reshma, um, throughout my conversation with them, they were two entrepreneurs that are managing their own startup, as well as investing in capital, uh, venture capital for several new Bangalore companies. Um, but I found that they have a particular attachment to being that played between the kind of liminal interstices of the lack of a homeland and the constant search for a home. For these U.S. naturalized citizens, neither India of the past or present or the U.S. felt like a home, and yet they all functioned as one. Returning to India involved an active creation for home. Sampath, another entrepreneur living in the same gated community, um, really put it eloquently. Yes, I am an American, and my kids are American. I was born in India, but that place only exists in my memories. Perhaps part of me operated on some nostalgia for coming back. But I was happy living in the Bay Area, and I'm happy here now. I gave up many things in order to move back, but is this home? I'm not sure. Well, I guess it is. Well, this is my home now, and I think over the years I certainly have made it that way. The ambiguity in Sampath's understanding of himself and the choices he made is not at all a lack of self-awareness. Instead, it reflects upon what aspects of the personality and identification of being an entrepreneur potentially creates an impact on the choice made to return to India. So this project understands who these entrepreneurs are as social actors. 
in order to decipher what has motivated their choice to come to India and how they perceive the sense of return in terms of aspects of their own identities. Um, I try to answer these three main questions, which we'll go through today. Um, first, what common traits are possessed by returning entrepreneurs and their profiles and histories surrounding their mobility? What reasons inspired their decision to return to India? And finally, what is the linkage between the identity of entrepreneurs and their, um, and their mobility and settlement desires? By reflecting on, upon the backgrounds and responses of entrepreneurs and observing their actions regarding mobility and return to Bangalore, it's possible to understand how entrepreneurs are social actors of their own desires. So now in this presentation, I'm going to make an effort to present a common background that I found in the profile of these entrepreneurs in order to see in what ways social actorness governs a new engagement with self and action. I then will try to see how this action and interest in new development govern reasons surrounding a return to India. And by investigating these opinions of the entrepreneurs based in Silicon Valley with this desire to move to Bangalore, I finally look at the connection with upon settling in India of how entrepreneurs see this connection between their hybrid selves and the impact on the city. In this way, we can understand how the entrepreneurs as social actors are actors of their own destinies. So now this paper is actually, well, to give you a little bit of a background on what population I'm talking about. In general, there's 20 million persons of Indian origin in the um, Indian diaspora. These are known as persons of Indian origin, uh, PIOs. 50,000, this is a statistic coming from the Indian High Commission, there's been 50,000 returnees between 2004 to 2009 um, that are overseas citizens of India. This is not dual citizenship, but it's almost like a permanent lifetime visa, but it's being marketed as overseas citizenship. So these OCIs uh, have moved to Bangalore alone. Um, the combined wealth of NRIs, non-resident Indians, is $1 trillion. And these people who are moving back are the people who really kind of created Silicon Valley to be what it is today. They really had a hand in that. So an example, even post-crisis, um, uh, post one in nine Indians in Silicon Valley is a millionaire, which isn't so much, but still post-crisis. But the combined wealth of Indian entrepreneurs alone is estimated at $250 billion. Um, entrepreneur here I'm defining as a person who sees their return as a new venture or idea. Um, I looked at people who live and work in the U.S. for five or more years, typically it's 10 to 15. Um, what I'm going to talk about in a little bit is that since there's all these acronyms, I made my own, um, of which is IBMCIITP, basically that uh, Indian-born, Brahmin, middle-class, IIT-educated technology professional. <laughs> Bit much. And the thing is that the, what they do is when they return, they return to gated villa enclave communities in Bangalore. So again, why entrepreneurs? I wanted to try and pick a subset of people that could basically move anywhere they wanted and weren't governed by particular restrictions in mobility to see why they are settling in the global south. So what it is about the global south that's making it move back and is it more than economic migration? Um, these entrepreneurs are very much concerned with their own self-definition um, they have a hand in the academia that governs them and are very knowledgeable about it. Um, so I talk a lot in the theoretical aspect about their, their positionality as cosmopolitan expats, because they are expats. Most of them are U.S. citizens. Um, and we, I want to look at the impact on the emerging global south, Bangalore as a city, south city in terms of infrastructure and social relations. So my question is essentially why and how. Why are entrepreneurs moving back and how are they creating a life in Bangalore once they move there. 
um, really broadly, this is kind of a mapping of the way in which my thesis works. So I'm asking the why and how. Why are they going and how? Um, my hypothesis, as I talk about here, is entrepreneurs are going to create a sense of home. They then um, are doing this by impacting infrastructures and creating new gated communities where they live and um, impacting also social relations and the ways in which they work and interact with people in the city and also the networks between Silicon Valley and London um, and how these hubs are kind of interregionally located but located in the, the uh, work that they do through entrepreneurship. So it's the transformation that kind of creates an impact ultimately. Uh, Quickly, the methodology that I used was mixed methods, so I tried to engage, there were 67 semi-structured interviews, and then each of those respondents, six months later, um, filled out a survey kind of related to their experiences. Um, there's something called cognitive social mapping, a type of map I asked each respondent to draw within their semi-structured interviews, participant observation in all three sites of Bangalore, Silicon Valley, and London, Bangalore for one year, and then um, expert interviews and kind of review of blogs and social media tools that um, these entrepreneurs use. So the movement is coming from the US to India and then circling back. So this is, you kind of see the cycling that's happening and then the newest wave is this kind of line going to the UK because um, the UK is really specifically policy-wise trying, um, trying to move uh, entrepreneurs from these same expat entrepreneurs back to the UK and to invest. Um, to give you a quick picture, um, these are some pictures of gated communities. You'll see here, one of these is actually from California, um, a gated community in California, and the other is from India. Uh, I, I challenge you to tell the difference between the two. In the corner you see Bangalore as a city. Um, the same here, some of you might rec uh, recognize East London. But you can see that the Bangalore and Silicon Valley uh, workspaces, as well as Tech City, aren't very different from one another. Um, so let's move on. Um, when we look at entrepreneurs and their background, you see that, in general, there is um, a background of the people moving back distributed evenly between all the different regions. So it's not that you can say that Bangalore entrepreneurs are moving back over others, anything like that. Um, it's really, um, what you'll see is there's a very long, a big lack of rural kind of, there's only 6% of the people I interviewed were coming from rural regions. Um, citizenship status, again, 92% overseas citizens of India um, that they hold that visa status, 85% were US citizens. Um, so that brings me to the IBMC IITP. Um, in the chapter, I give tables explaining, you know, everything from the backgrounds of the uh, of, uh, the entrepreneur respondents. But what you'll see is that it's a high, high percentage for each of these identities: Indian-born, Brahmin, which would be the top castes. You'll see that most people are 94% Hindu. Um, and then within the caste, 72% Brahmin, with a much lower, there's some middle castes in between, but lower caste individuals are very rare. Um, middle class, most people were coming from middle class families in India, about 76% or upper middle class families. Um, and then 92% um, attended the IIT graduate school. Um, and then 100% are technology professionals. So. What, I mean, who are these moderns, who are, who are these individuals who are sensationalized as modern day gladiators? 
Um, while these Roman and Greek metaphors assign a particular form of power to this population, the entrepreneurs often fail to see themselves within this kind of profile. So it's a question to see, you know, who are they and what is the educational aspect. Now, I was mentioning that they were, that this population is also extremely highly educated. Um, when I say that, uh, what I mean is that, uh, first of all, the IIT education that we're talking about, um, Within IIT, this is, I'm trying to find the quote I have. The success of IIT has been defined by these entrepreneurs in their study. CBS made a documentary um, that was covered by 60 Minutes where they talk about, um, where they basically say, put Harvard, MIT, and Princeton together and you'll begin to get an idea of the status of IIT in India. So this is a big impact and the thing was that there's a lot of studies that say that Brahmin middle class families tend towards sending people in this 2% rate because they had the most access to English medium schools. So there's this kind of profile that's happening in the people that have moved back and in, impacted Silicon Valley. Um, and then to what you can see in terms of education, as I was saying, um, was that um, also the statistic I don't have here is that 100% of people have graduate degrees. From that, 50% have master's degrees, 25% hold a PhD. And these are percentages of where you see, you see 60% graduated from IIT undergraduate. Um, people came mostly on scholarships. That's also 80% of the people who came to the US came on scholarships. Um, there's a smaller percentage going to the UK of the generations that I dealt with, whereas had it been the 60s, there would have been more kind of Oxford um, people coming to this very campus. Um, so what did they do in Silicon Valley? You saw that they, um, that as I said, one in nine are millionaires. Uh, that's about 10%. The combined wealth is 10 billion. But also, a thousand Indians had found Silicon Valley companies with a total value more than $40 billion. So the motivations for return, what are they? I can't, I'm not going to get too far into this, but only to say that in this survey, um, there was a survey done in 2002 of 1,000 Indians, and these are the parameters that were used. I then used the same graphing to chart kind of what, what would be the reasons. So culture after, after people return to Bangalore. So after you, people return, you see culture and lifestyle goes up um, a, a little bit, uh, whereas professional opportunities goes down by half almost. So what happens is while entrepreneurs in, Bengal, in Bangalore often cite opportunities, and even the ones in California cite opportunity as the, as the motivator for moving back, as the operative reason, and often when they talk about the operative reason of why they think everybody is moving back, the, um, when they talk about describing themselves, it's always about lifestyle choices and not about economic motivators. Now, to discuss identity, I wanted to um, get into the idea of what is a sense of home and how is being occurring. I asked each respondent to make three circles, basically um, concentric circles, and map the US and India and try to map who was closest to them uh, in the map. And I left things kind of open. For the most part, you would see that the US friends and family are closest in people's social networks, whereas school friends and expats and everything are closer in the India network. Whenever I would, I would then ask people to indicate what they saw as home. Which, where, where do you see as home? And both would say, and people would usually think this was done in Silicon Valley. Oh well, I see both places at home as home. When I'm in India, I'm at home. When I'm in America, I'm at home. Now the mapping of oh, and I forgot to say 
There was one other interesting thing that happened here, which is that people who were intending to move back often talked about being in their doing world or being world. When I'm in the US, I'm in my doing world, where I'm doing things, whereas when I'm in India, I'm in my being world. Now, for the respondents that then moved to Silicon Valley, uh, sorry, to Bangalore, I'm switching things around. For those who moved to Bangalore, um, the same thing occurred. And uh, I asked then, you see that the maps haven't changed, although people always indicated, my friends, my main friends are still in the US. They're not necessarily in India, but with social media, I'm still kind of able to talk to everybody. But when I would ask where home is, it was always in always Bangalore. Um, so in conclusion, uh, I wanted the entrepreneurs who move back to Bangalore are completely in charge of their own destinies and social actors in the ways in which they create their futures. They're in a constant process of creating what they want to see within this reality, and in turn, that shapes the city of Bangalore itself. I have found that this subtextual need to define an entrepreneur versus those who want to foray into endeavors of entrepreneurship, um, we're seeking to understand this, this implication of social actorness is what makes a difference. It's really about actively seeking home. Um, in enacting ways to unlock opportunities for themselves, their business, and futures in India as the key to understanding how these entrepreneurs seamlessly build concepts of home, they find this within uh, the greater city of the Bangalore ecosystem. So what we see is that entrepreneurs, as I've said many times, they create home as social actors. So they make these spheres of home and work opportunity. So lifestyle at home, work opportunity. But there's definitely a link between identity and mobility that's turning, that impacts the development of Bangalore as a hub. And I develop that more in the piece later on. Um, some further points that, that, that are related to, to the kind of agency of these entrepreneurs is looking really at how these entrepreneurs impact Bangalore and to look at what is at play in an elite movement to the global south. Um, furthermore, looking at what makes an ecosystem and seeing how these hubs are interconnected. So really there's a movement that's happening from Silicon Valley to uh, Bangalore and then Bangalore to UK. And I often call it the entrepreneurial year. It's almost like a season of migration like migratory births because in the spring, also according to kids' schedules because people have children, and that's a large part of why they move back at a certain age, while the kids are young enough to go to international school. But um, this kind of, because the kids are, usually get vacation in India in May, the entrepreneurs then go to, to Silicon Valley. And then they do the same thing towards the beginning of the school year. Once the kids are in school, there's also a break during Puja, which is a religious festival that spans almost a month in India during October. So that's the second time that you can always find them. And conferences related to India's futures and entrepreneurship are always held in the US at those times. June is the time most people come to the UK because there's actually a break in like the political year within India. And this has been a time where there's often been conferences in the UK. And so the UK tech, tech and investment has been pushing that. So policy implications, of course, are to look at innovation policy, high-skilled, um, you know, how do we entice people has been a big question. Is there a brain gain? Um, but then I wanted to just f finish by saying, I think that studying this population and understanding what they're doing as social actors is important because I think we've seen, especially in the media in the last month, that this kind of dual-sided aspect of immigration, of, you know, keeping certain people out and then wanting to bring certain people in is, is reaching kind of a point of ridiculousness. For example, at this UK, um, the UK Home Affairs, all the issues that are happening with the Go Home campaign, 
the same day that there were trucks circulating London with the uh, uh, announcements telling people, if you're living here illegally, go home. At that same moment, there was a report that was produced by the FCO, the Federal Commonwealth Office, that was talking about the 200 entrepreneurs from India that they actually gave visas to to come to, in, to the UK that created 10,000 jobs and saved 30 million pounds. So we definitely need to think about how this movement is happening and what's changing in the South. Thank you.